Get out. I'm going to lock my cat out of the room. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least cats are disruptive Rat. quietly. Yep. Yep. Go, 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 go. Oh, no. I'm chasing you. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Uh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. This is a true crime and horror podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Young-Ray with my lovely co-host, Sunshine Bellon. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. So, yeah, we're doing... Okay, so this this episode starts out making no sense because you're like, why are you talking about racism? We're talking about clowns. But then it makes so much sense and you're so angry. I I guess I'm looking forward to being angry. I, I, yeah. You know, just like anything else we do, it's like you're look it it sounds wrong to say that you're excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that feel. <laughs> yeah, filled with but, anticipation. Um, Antissa patient. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, you want to talk about stuff that's probably going to piss you yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, work's been going well, and I haven't been super stressed out, so I haven't been coming home angry, so, like, let's, let's use some of that, yeah, I I can experience that emotion right now. (laughs) Um, okay, so, we're doing minstrel shows this week. Okay. Which, I mean, full confession, we've definitely covered this before, when you say minstrel show, I... Don't picture anything even close to what you're getting into. I picture, like, some weird, fat, Renaissance-era Frenchman with, like, a lute or something wandering around being like, La-da-da, let me tell you a story. So, so Minstrel is, you know, a musician. Mm-hmm. But Minstrel shows are an American travesty. Hmm. So let's get into yeah. it. Minstrel shows began in America in the early 1800s. They were primarily in the American South when they started, but they ended up touring all over the (sighs) U.S. Starting in the South is already a bad sign. Oh, it's going to get worse. I feel like the only good Southern thing is boiled peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever had boiled peanuts. (sighs) They're tasty. (laughs) The Cajun accent is pretty great. That's true, too. Yeah. 
<laughs> so they were most popular between the 1840s and the 1890s, really, really peaking around the 1860s, 1870s periods. Okay. Recall when the American Civil War happened. Mm-hmm. So that should give you some context. Yeah. And start to, you know, get those bubbles of discomfort churning. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just their history and popularity. They continued in earnest well into the 1900s. Well, so you're, this outline here says well into the late 1900s. How late are we talking? The late 1900s. Could- the black and white minstrel show uh-huh. was an incredibly popular show in England. Oh. From 1958 to 1978. Ouch. Yeah, not great. I know that um, from coursework that I help my students with, uh, the last true person living as a slave uh, was in the 1960s. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, definitely that kind of crap continued way longer than anybody wants to acknowledge. But I kind of hoped that I kind of hoped that the Mintrel show uh, didn't have that same uh, staying power. But clearly I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it shouldn't have existed ever. But since it did exist, since it did exist. No, since it did exist, you're correct. That's fine. Keep going. Since it did exist. <laughs> uh since it did exist, it should have been... Short-lived? Short-lived, yeah. It should have died in the 1800s. You know? Yep. But it sure didn't. Sure did not. So, long-lived. Longer than it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, longer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That a thing. So, minstrel shows were... Like, the minstrel part of it is not incorrect. Okay. So there it was, was musicians. Music. Okay. Yeah. They they were variety shows. Okay. Um, taken from several American entertainment traditions that we've already talked about. Right. So you've got, like, the traveling circus and mm-hmm. other traveling performances, like medicine shows and theater. Mm-hmm. And medicine shows are are basically a variety show put on around a snake oil salesman. Okay, so like they're almost what you would think of with like when I pick when I first read medicine show, I pictured something actually like a revivalist uh, church tent where they're like dancing with snakes, and all of a sudden somebody can walk. And I guess it's probably not exactly that, but probably a little bit like that though. But instead of being focused on God, it's focused on snake oil. Yeah, yeah okay. take that image and then also add, like, that Buster, Buster Scruggs sketch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got a medicine show. But it also mixed African slave song and dance. Okay, so very traditional, like, tribal dance. Yeah, and obviously, instead of using it as, like, a inspiration to make a cool thing, they were using it to make fun of the Africans in America. Right. This wasn't an opportunity for African Americans to like um use their traditions for their own uh benefit. It was mm-hmm. white people mocking them. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the other like most notable feature of minstrel shows. In fact, that is the most notable feature of minstrel shows is these shows were performed by white men 
who were dressed and made up as black men and women. Mm-hmm. And they would darken their face with burnt cork. And I mean, with this picture you added to my outline, uh, big minstrel jubilee. It clearly yeah. he not only did blackface, but then also like did the Kardashian thing and like over outlined mm-hmm. his lips so that his lips look yeah. like huge and pink. So that was that was part of it is that like not only like caricaturizing their face to look exactly. like exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. It wasn't just that they were darkening their skin. They were also caricaturizing their face in their makeup. And so they would... So there was... There's two main, like, caricature categories. Mm -hmm. There was the... And and you're going to recognize these tropes. Mm -hmm. Because they are... I feel an Aunt Jemima coming. Yep. That's one of them. Uh That's... They have pervaded all of, like, American history. So there was the Aunt Jemima, Southern Uncle Tom, Uncle Ben. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Pretty much any image of um, a black person that white people use to make money. Yes, <laughs> yes, Mammy. I don't. I, I've heard Mammy, but that's not one that jumps to mind as far as like any I mean, marketing I I've seen. I, I can't put a specific character right. to it. But Mammy like, is just... like that old, su- old Southern black nanny character who takes care of the children, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so the the two categories were the Southern Plantation Simple Life Slaves. Okay. So, yes, we're owned by white people and we're forced to do labor against our will. But, like, life is so easy and simple and we're just so happy and content down here. Right. Because that's all we got to do. We don't have to think for ourselves or worry about work. We just do what the white man tells us to do and have some dinner. We just do what the white man tells us to do and have some dinner. And then the other category was this bamboozled, buffoonish, city life free man. Is that the second image here, the original Jim Crow? So the the original Jim Crow was one of the plantations. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'll get into him. Okay. Because he's a specific character. So, and, okay, so the thing about, I think that the free man, the city life free man caricature is a little less pervasive today. Yeah. We still have the Simple Life Plantation slaves in our daily media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think of... You named, like, four characters... Yeah. ...off the top of your head. Right, easy. ...that was that fucking character. hmm But um, when you see old images of minstrel shows, it's one of those two. Mm-hmm. It's this, like, beat-up... Uh, tattered clothing plantation slave or it's somebody wearing an oversized non-well-fit suit yeah 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 and and you'll also recognize that i think it just was a lot more overtly not okay so it did finally eventually die as an everyday right media thing. right okay that makes sense Be- because especially <laughs> it's easier to hide behind tradition with things like aunt jemima it's like oh we're not being racist she's just this nice lady that makes us pancakes and we like her syrup yeah and i think that's exactly it is with the with the plantation caricatures they were taking something and making themselves feel better about being a part of it right they were painting uh, trying to make that situation look not bad for their slaves so yeah 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 
Whereas the city life freemen, they were overtly, like, vitriolically attacking black people. Oh, good vocabulary word. I know that's not the point of this, but mm, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, the, the weird suits, the oversized shoes, the... And this is where the fucking white gloves come from. Just epic depiction of incompetence. An epic depic- depiction of incompetence. And it, and this is one of those weird things is that, like, this certainly adds to our trickster character, mm-hmm. but it's also derived from our trickster character. Right. Like an unintentional trickster? Well, I, or unwitting. I think that they just made it. I'm not sure, but I think that they just made it to be. Because remember the conversations about the fool being either a complete idiot, like drunken buffoon dumbass. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they were kind of secretly conniving and treacherous. Right. Uh, oh, El Fuck. I can't think of the line in Italian. I guess I could just come up to the part of the album. El, El tragedia. La, la, la comedia e finita. Yeah. La comedia e finita. Yeah. You should just yeah. edit that to yeah, make it exactly. sound like I did that smoothly and remembered what I was talking about, please. <laughs> <Pardon>. <laughs> but... So I, I just I just thought that that was kind of interesting that the archetypes in crossed over so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in our old tricksters that that came all the way back from our Greek well, theater days. I mean, and if you buy into Jungian psychology, that that makes perfect sense. That's never going to go, you know. Theoretically, that's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, an innate part of human society is is are those archetypal images and those uh, thought patterns. So, Yeah. And I mean, having a character that represents an archetype is not necessarily a problematic thing. It's just that they were making real human beings be representative of archetypes. Yeah. You know? Well, Kinda and like... in a way that's offensive, right? Like a real human being being yes. representative of the fool archetype is not inherently offensive. Yeah, but it I is mean, offensive much when any you use comedy racial is going to have a couple to, of fools. Yeah, yeah, like the stoner character is the fool. Yeah, or like Kramer. Yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. When you are mixing that with racism, not so great. Not okay. It's never okay. <laughs> but so, so one of the reasons that I got kind of excited about discovering the the dichotomy caricatures mm-hmm. is I. I I had done all of this research and I was like, okay, I get it. I have made the clown, but I couldn't figure out the fucking white gloves. Okay. Okay. It's because of the suit. They were dressed up like a posh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old century, like city, well-dressed person. City slicker. And that includes the the suit and the the tie and the white gloves. With, like, canes and top hats and shit like that. Right. So that's why the gloves So the gloves really is the connecting thread between minstrel shows and clowns? No. No. There's way more threads than just minstrel shows and clowns. Than just gloves. Or than just gloves. Sorry. It's just that I had connected all of the other threads. Okay, that's what led. Okay, okay. I see. Which is why I was so excited about the gloves. Right. Because, like, duh. Yeah, and also, and this is going to ruin your life. Oh, great. So, did you ever see the Goofy movie? Of course I did. Did you ever see the, what is it, like the extremely extremely Goofy goofy movie? movie? 
Do you remember the, uh, why are we always wearing gloves? Yes. So, there's a history to that. Okay. Old cartoon characters were a mixture of, and this is kind of an aside, but it's totally relevant, because cartoons. Yeah. Cartoons are always relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I mean, like, with clowning and American. Right. No, it was valid. Yeah. Yeah. But... So cartoons back in the old days, they were literally being hand drawn every single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how paint. how they used to do. Every frame yeah. was hand drawn. Every frame. And so they in trying to simplify it, created a couple of shortcuts. One of them was called like the the noodle and circle or something where basically you have these round points and then just noodle arms mm-hmm. and legs. So that you don't have to worry about basic body, actual dynamics. Right. You don't have to place it's... the knees correctly every time. Right, yeah. And it makes the drawing a little bit easier. And putting gloves on was kind of part of that simplification. But also, old cartoons were expressly minstrel shows. You know, that makes sense, too, because I've seen some stuff... Um... Oh shit, what was it? Oh, I really like to watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And this doesn't this doesn't mm. completely relate to the whole minstrel show thing, but just the cartoon old cartoons being well, I guess it does, uh, objectively racist. He was showing a cartoon, and this one was actually from the 1950s, I think. Um, so more so, somewhat more recently, but it was uh Donald Duck and it was very racist. Like there's a very strong history of cartoons being super not okay. Oh, yeah. We have def And, like, the Elmer Fudd character used to be a black man. Oh, really? Yep. I did not know that. Yep. So, you know, the dim-witted, like, slurry, uh, lispy character was a black character. Okay, yeah. Which is yeah, a Elmer lot Fudd. worse if you Elmer think Fudd about... Elmer Fudd is a just old white guy. It doesn't seem offensive, but Elmer Fudd... Um, as, a, as a black as a man, black man does is seem, actually pretty gross. Yeah, because you can see. Well, and it's because you can see that trope, right? You can see like, oh, mm-hmm. this is. It's not just somebody it who happens the, to be dumb. They're making him dumb for a reason. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's like. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. And so, and also, if you look at like old cartoons of just Mickey Mouse and um, is it Pete the dog? Before, like Steamboat Willie. Yes, before before Goofy became his dog or something. Right. Before Goofy became its own autonomous character or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, in, in pretty early on, like the 1920s, 1930s cartoons, mm-hmm. the faces, the way that they decided to do the faces were extraordinarily similar to the makeup of minstrel shows. Well, now I'm Googling 1920s cartoons look up like steamboat willie it's pre-gloves but the face structure is there basically these big wide-lipped white mouths yeah i'll look up steamboat willie in specific actually i see i see the octopus tom and jerry an octopus that has that clearly has that face oh ah didn't even finish typing steamboat before google was like do you mean steamboat willie Oh, yep, that's actually exactly what I was picturing um, when we began this conversation. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, 
it's one of those things that like you don't see it until you point it out and you can't unsee mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, I don't like that. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's I finally found the white gloves. Mm-hmm. Good job. I don't know that that's a good thing, but I guess it's not a bad thing. I mean, to know. Yeah, it's not bad. To, I mean, that's once again. Uh, I don't know how many times we can circle back around to this point of that's kind of the nature of this show. And she's like, it's yeah. not a good thing, but. <laughs> I'm glad to know it. <laughs> yep. Yep. That. Okay. So I so I talked about the archetypes. Let's talk about basically how they did the thing. Yes. Let's talk about how they did the thing. So they would, they would cover their, they would darken their faces with burnt cord. Mm-hmm. And then they would use either white makeup or no makeup at all over their mouth. But like exaggerated. Right. Like I said, the Kardashian lip thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, even more so. Right. Like, rounded out. Right. Just massive, know? ridiculous. I mean, the example being that that big minstrel jubilee. Yeah. You know, it's round. Like, lips don't do that. Right. It makes it look like someone's, like... they're making fun of... Yeah. And basically... It... It made it so that the mouth could be seen better... You know, right, there's some theatrical over, like, validity to over-exaggerating facial features with makeup, but that's... It's kind of like the Kind of feels like it's not about. the uh, goal here. Well, okay, so it's a dual purpose. Right. You know? It's it's kind of like the, the old Greek theater masks. Right. Where these huge exaggerate, exaggerated faces with, with big, big over-emphasized lips. Right. And and even eventually they ended up adding white makeup like around the eyes mm-hmm. for similar reasons. And it makes it so that you can see their face better. Right, which after, is totally valid. You know, falsely darkening their skin. But it also makes a joke of overemphasizing having big features having big lips. Right, the the very real differences between like Caucasian features and uh, black features. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is like, it's okay to celebrate it. It's not okay to make fun right. of it. I mean, I feel like you that know? kind of goes without saying, but I guess in today... I, yeah, it, that does. It doesn't In really. today's episode, we do need to say yeah. it. <laughs> Should go without saying. Normally, we could go without saying yeah. that. <laughs> but today, we have to say it. So, uh, so... Remember how I said that they took African traditional song and dance? Uh Uh-huh. Well, they literally took it. They used music and dance stolen from the African slaves and profited from them. Right. Which is a theme pretty much throughout American history. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole issue now with the cultural appropriation... Yeah. On several levels. I mean, whether yeah. you're talking I mean, about Native Americans and headdresses or whether you're talking about black people in dreadlocks, uh, that's exactly what's still going on. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, this is an ever-present issue in our in our culture. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it's not an only American culture, but no. since we're in America... That's what we get to talk about. That's the only thing we're experts yeah. on, you know? <laughs> but... But yeah, no, it, it is. And, and I think that like the current discussions on cultural appropriation are a really, really great example because 
because I love, I love taking cultures and mixing them together and making something better. Like fusion food is so beautiful to me. And like going to the Heritage Festival and having food from Tibet Oh, and, I miss that so and much. Turkmenistan and you know what I love? Native American food, Ethiopian food. I love to get me and some Ethiopian, e- Ethiopian dinner and then a Greek dessert. Oh, yeah, like those things bring me legitimate and pure joy. But stealing it and bastardizing it and making it as if it's your own, yeah, not not that's kosher. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I guess a lot of people still can't tell the difference. Yeah, and I suppose sometimes it's well, it's not always yeah. as easy as headdresses and food. Yeah, sometimes there is ambiguity. Like at a certain point, I do see, um, in particular, like the dreadlock issue. At a certain point, I do see, like, okay, other cultures have also used that. Um, white cultures, you know, specifically have also done that as a traditional ha- hairstyle, but, and so I think. My, you know, the the reason it's still an issue is because it's still not necessarily considered professional or appropriate or respectable. It like it still is something yeah. that gets in the way of African American people like getting jobs. Exactly. Yeah, which that one is definitely a lot more nuanced. Yeah, it's definitely one of those like it's not a hill I'm gonna die on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will die on the blackface hill. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna die on the whites with dreadlocks. No, hill. I'm not at all. You I'm know? not on any level. <laughs> I'm willing to acknowledge that it's problematic, but I'm not willing to acknowledge it as being straight up racist and culturally appropriative. Yeah, that's I, I'm like it's problematic. Not gonna. I'm not. I'm. We have literal neo-Nazis right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to deal with those first. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about homeboys with dreadlocks. Sorry. Now, then we can have conversations with your stoner white buddies. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, the the these musics were were stolen and profited on by Africans and they they were both stolen and profited on and then also made fun of. Which is like a double fuck. Right. Well, that's the the whole, that's the purpose of stealing them, right? They weren't trying Mm -hmm. to go look at this amazing, beautiful art form that I just invented, right? That that doesn't seem to me to be the purpose. It was look at this goofy, silly, ridiculous thing. Yeah. Even though they were using it as a beautiful art form as well. Right. Okay. Okay. You Mm -hmm. know, because, I mean, there's been a ton of... Well, you know, we just had this conversation. Yes. A ton of stuff has been stolen and acted as if it was ours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so the shows themselves had a lot of similarities to theater traditions that we've already talked about. Songs, dance, jokes, yeah. right? And one of the interesting things is that there were characters created and iconized. Is that the word? Yeah. Iconized? By I'm not really sure where you put the emphasis there. Made iconic. Yeah. Made iconic. Iconized. Sure. Okay. There were there were characters created and iconized. Mike and iconized. Mike and iconized. (laughs) (laughs) By individual performers. So the Jim Crow picture Mm -hmm. that I have posted is the most present example. Okay. Um, because it is probably the most famous one Mm -hmm. and it was created by this, it, the, the character was created by this dude, Thomas Dartmouth Rice. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a white name. And yeah, (gasps) it was a white guy and it was expressly making fun of plantation 
slips. And obviously he was the most famous character caricature. And so his name kind of stayed through the ether. Right. But also Jim Crow laws were what we named segregation laws yeah because of this character right yeah i had no idea that jim crow i didn't really ever know what jim crow was referring to i knew what jim crow laws were right and i knew that they were yeah. bad but i didn't know the uh origin of the name by any means mm-hmm. i mean i thought that it was a uh for the longest time i thought that it was just like a specific black man who had tried to fight the laws and lost and so they named him after him right yeah that's what i kind of would have but assumed i am now under the impression that it is actually named after this abhorrent character um and then that was one of the big reasons that i wanted you to watch this is america yeah. because just look at this image right the the that posture and that stance it's exactly what i was telling you when I was trying to like kind of figure out exactly what I felt like was weird about Donald Glover in that movie or that uh, video and just being like, what, why does this feel like there's something that feels weird about his body? And it is, it was the stance. It's the chest up, booty out, you know, hips dropped weird. And then even some of the weird faces he was making extreme shoulder movements and weird faces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was him expressly referencing (sighs) reenacting referencing this character okay that makes sense actually you know and i mean i don't know maybe i'm even going too far but just even just the fact that his hair was as natural as it was uh because usually i'm used to seeing like you know when childish gambino is when there's a picture of him he has very short hair he usually has pretty short hair yeah he he expressly grew his hair out and like let it fro a little Mm -hmm. bit more rocking the natural for that for that music video um yeah, no, and I think that that's like totally valid. And then at the at the bottom, I have this kind of re- re- like a recent looking picture. Yeah, the one that's in color, the guys with the red yep. sparkly lapels. I'm wondering about that. That was the black and white minstrel show from the from England. England that was around from 1958 to oh, 78 damn 78 jesus unacceptable you guys get it together get your shit together and talking um, to historical englishmen historical figures i mean there are some (sighs) people that were in it that are still alive yeah (laughs) hopefully they've uh hence already gotten their shit together i think who knows who fucking knows i feel like there's probably no coming back from blackface but maybe i'm wrong I I am th- that is not a thing that I even feel the need to have opinions on. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so so you can see they've darkened their skin. Mm-hmm. They've drawn these white mouths yep. on and white eyelids. They've drawn white around their eyes and they're wearing these um like kinky hair wigs. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, suit, top hat, gloves. Yeah. It's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. No, it's a perfect representation of, like, the city slicker. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, I have a quote from Frederick Douglass. Oh, Sir Frederick Douglass. Not a sir, but I will call him that. Not a sir. But I mean, should have been. (laughs) He should have been knighted. (laughs) But um, it's uh, blackface performers are the filthy scum of white society who have stolen from us a complexion denied them by nature in which to make money and pander to the corrupt taste of their fellow white citizens. And that's, I think that's the really uh, huge uh, uh, point for me is, and pander to the corrupt taste of their white fellow citizens. That what take mm-hmm. That's what takes it from bad to terrible. Like cultural appropriation yeah. is bad. That's terrible. Because that's, oh, yeah. that's These were not uh, highlighting, for black right, it's highlighting that it's specifically the entertainment value is specifically in the fact that they were, uh, being degradatory towards black people yeah yeah and um kind of going back to the two caricature caricatures Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that really brought me back to our american terrorism series one of the reasons that they had these two caricatures i mean partially it was because it really was that dichotomy in the south you had black slaves and in the north you had black freemen yeah um but also partially it made it so that your kind of middle class white audience, mm-hmm. basically wealthier than literal slaves, but poorer than your fucking rich white people, yeah. could go and they could laugh at and make fun of these poor slaves. Mm-hmm. But they could also make fun of, I mean, because the 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 costume for the right city, had that right, city, they like, can also men. sort of laugh at that. A, a higher class kind of yeah right. but but by putting a black face on it right because that's the only reason it'd be appropriate to make fun of somebody in a higher caste level than you yeah and i just thought that that was so on point to what we talked about in, Amer- in our american terrorism series when we were talking about how we're not like we don't like but we kind of understand we're not nearly as terrified of the poor white people that are shitty and racist right because they're kind of made to be that way through their circumstances. Right, you can see what where really sucks the cultural is condition. the wealthy white people who are educated who choose to be racist. Yeah. Who then tell poor white people to be racist to keep everybody below them. Right. The well, and I think that again just connects to this larger issue of uh, all these divisive tactics like hating people for their race or hating people for their gender or their gender identity or uh, orientation mm-hmm. is really just a way to uh, keep people from or or not keep people from necessarily like it's some big conspiracy, but it's a really good workaround for the actual issue, which is classism. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's one of those like there's not any we don't exist in a vacuum and neither do marginalized classes. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't talk about racism without talking about classism. Yeah, you definitely can't. But you also can't talk about classism without talking about racism. Well, because they definitely are part and parcel for sure. Yeah. Like uh, like, like how areas they, become they go... how areas that are economically stable um, can be totally be just demolished and become poorer and poorer and lose any semblance of infrastructure simply because they end up becoming like a black neighborhood. As soon as the demographics right. of a neighborhood shift, which in and of itself shouldn't matter, then all of a sudden everything else, the infrastructure fails, the home value goes down, like everything 
Yeah. And that's no, I mean, there's no rational what... reason for it beyond racism. So there, there are yeah. two self-feeding, there, there are cycles that feed each other. Economic disparity and, then, and racial know, you inequality. Add, you add gender and orientation and gender identity and all of those other marginalized classes. And it's like, it's, it's not, it's not stacking shit bricks. It's mixing it together to create a whole new different shit brick, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so... Yada yada, it's complicated. Take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yada yada, it's complicated. That that so, would that would be an additional shot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so some weird stuff. This is kind of kind of blew my mind. Kind of makes sense. Kind of blew okay. my mind. There were occasionally black performers in these minstrel shows. I can, yes, I agree. I agree with your sentiment that you just barely expressed. That's kind of makes sense in the sense of like, there's a venue, right? There's a venue and an avenue to making money. So if you're willing to let people find entertainment value in your race, then you can make money that way. And I could see how someone would do that, especially considering it was probably very, very hard for African-American people to make money back then. Because well, it's hard exactly now. exactly <laughs> it. This was basically one of the only ways for black performers to get into performing. Yeah. And to add even more like, I'm sorry, what the fuck did you just say? They were also expected to don blackface makeup. What? They were expected to put on the black makeup and the white makeup to make <laughs> themselves a caricature of themselves. Oh. Isn't that awful? That's worse. That somehow feels that. worse. <laughs> I hate that. So, so two of the most prolific creators of blues music got their start in minstrels. Really? Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith. I think that those are respectively the empress of blues and the godmother of blues, if I'm not okay. mistaken. But, I mean, I've heard their music. It is literally, like, ye fucking old. Like, the record has that crackly, crackly Yeah, that's what I was just, the gramophone. Creation of the blues. Yeah. Blues creators. Cool. Like, these are, like, the creators of the blues. Got their start in performance as, as minstrels. Yeah. Which is even more interesting because also they're women. And like I said, it, it started as white men right. playing black men and women. So that's, that is, that makes and it complicated. Think, it's both, it's, it's, that's kind of cool and like empowering for, for them. I'm sure it must have been, you know, to provide an, or awful, well, yeah. But I think, it, I guess when I say empowering, I mean the fact that they were able to at least find an avenue to do what they wanted to do. You know, it doesn't right. make it. The ends don't justify the means, but I still, I think that's what mm-hmm. I, to me, what adds kind of, I guess, to the irony of the situation is that, like, to be able to in that time make a living performing, and then to become the godmother and what did you say, godmother and empress, empress, the godmother and empress of blues. That's pretty. That in and of itself is pretty impressive. And, yeah, I think Bessie Smith was the was the empress, and I think Ma Rainey was the godmother, mm-hmm. but. Been a little while since I had history of rock and roll. Well, I feel like of all the faux pas you could possibly make, confusing somebody from the godmother versus the empress is probably yeah, not. That's not the worst. Not yeah, that bad. I probably Whatever, won't be, it's fine. Won't be strung up and and burned on burned at the stake for 
calling somebody the godmother when they're actually the empress how dare you you racially (laughs) insensitive prick yeah but so and i don't know it's just it's just really complex and it's kind of really fascinating that that that's where they started performing Mm -hmm. you know Another super inf- impactful minstrel performer was this dude, William Henry Lane, also known as Master Master Yuba, Master Juba. Probably Juba. Juba. He, as far as I'm aware, was the first black minstrel. Okay. So, quick aside for Master Juba. Yes. And I think that that comes from, like, a biblical name. I think, like... Jude or Job and Juba were like regular. This is a generic black person name back then. Yeah. If that makes sense. It was kind of like calling somebody your average Joe. Right. You know, calling somebody a a Jude. Yeah. But so born William Henry Lane as a free black man in 1825 Rhode Island. So he began his career as a performer working in minstrel shows. And I believe he was the first black minstrel in 1938. So pretty early. But still to the point where minstrel shows shouldn't have been a thing anymore. (laughs) Oh, sorry. 1838. Okay. Yes. That makes a lot more sense. Because he was born in 1825. Yeah. 1938. World's oldest and first black minstrel. (laughs) Oh my god, that's hilarious. Literally, Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith have come and gone. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Uh <laughs> yeah. Whoops. 1838. He was he he became a, a minstrel. And he was literally the best dancer of his time. Well, well. He could mimic other dancers with relative ease and he regularly did he got in like regular dance competitions yes, always won dance them. battle i know right love dance battle <laughs> it's kind of cool to know that that actually is like a historically accurate thing that people have done it's dance battle yeah yeah <laughs> dance battle dance off <laughs> but <laughs> so and he's so cool he's the coolest dude he mixed several dance forms from Irish step dancing to traditional African rhythm dance and invented tap dancing. So I have to confess, when I saw that in the outline, I was like, no fucking way. Because I totally just assumed that it was like some, I don't know, just like any other kind of formal dance, you assume it's uh, some old thing. Well, some old European thing specifically. Like if it's a mm-hmm. formal dance class that, uh, you know, third grade girl would take, came from Europe. Nope, nope, this this fucking awesome dude from the 1800s invented tap dancing. That's cool. By by mixing a bunch, like, this is the kind of, like, cultural mixing that I'm talking right, about I can, when I'm well, like, Well, and yes. as soon as you brought up, you know, mixing um, traditional Irish dance, I was like, oh, I can totally see how tap dancing would be a yeah. mix of, a, like, Irish step dance and traditional African dances. Like, I can see how that would happen easily. Like, um, you know, using your body rhythmically because, like... Well, because tap dancers will at least use their hands and Irish dance wouldn't at all. Irish step dance is, like, Mm -hmm. straight arms down. Yeah, yeah. Irish step dance is very, like, just the toes. Just the toes. Whereas, like, um, you know, because a slave wasn't allowed to have a drum. 
yeah make rhythm a lot with their of, feet a lot of the rhythm in their their dance and music was using your body yeah and so you mix the two along with make several the rhythm other with your forms. feet while the rest you know, of your body was, dances that's cool yeah isn't that so fucking rad and he blew the pants off of the world Everybody was like this fucking dude who swings his legs all over the place, all willy nilly. All willy nilly. <laughs> um, so in about 1840, he was hired to perform in P.T. Barnum's American Museum. Oh. Bringing it all back around. Well, hello, Mr. Barnum. <laughs> Isn't that yes. wild? Well, not really. I mean, it's fitting. It's I mean, cool, it makes though. sense, but it's also like, what? And in 1842, uh, Charles Dickens came to the U.S., bringing that back around. Mm -hmm. And Lane was featured in his uh, his book on his travels in America under the name Master Juba. And that's how he got his name. So he it was it was not something he actually called himself. Uh, until that point it, it was, was like a it was something that charles dickens named him. okay yep i wonder why and then well like i said juba was well i, I guess a, my point like, is jude and juba i wonder why were... charles dickens would have not just used his name i imagine charles dickens was not the wokest <laughs> not the wokest okay nice way of saying it yeah he was probably like, ah, oh, yeah, this guy who's a really fucking good dancer and is black. Mostly is black. <laughs> Those are his characteristics. <laughs> but no, he, he blew people's minds. He eventually ended up moving to Great Britain mm -hmm. and, and living there and dancing there and marrying there. And he he kind of had a similar issue as Joseph Grimaldi. He actually did kind of work himself way too hard. And it wasn't just that his dance moves were fucking tight cuz they were. <laughs> it was that he was doing that thing where he was working day and night and day and night. Yeah. And he died at the ripe age of 27. Oh. Well, that's yeah. sad. So arguably speaking, he's the first to join the 27s. Oh. Look at that. Isn't that wild? Yep, that is wild. So I have a couple pictures of him. Uh, one is of like, I think it was from the Charles Dickens books, but it was like a drawing of him that's, you know, respectful looking. And then there's one of those awful caricatures that I believe was from... Like, uh, yeah, that portrait looks like totally like, oh, like not, it's complimentary. He has a nice suit on, he's dancing. Yeah. It's not, yeah, but the other one. He's just looking cool. The other one, his and lips are bigger one. than his torso. Jesus. I know. Yeah. No, I was, <laughs> I was looking through all of this stuff and I just kept going, oh, no, I hate this. And Kelly would look over at me and be like, you chose this path. You chose this path. <laughs> you chose this path. But but yeah no the this this caricature of him is from I believe an advertisement from the like from Britain uh -huh. to advertise that he was going to be dancing so of course they had to racist it up right you're not coming so. to see him because he's dancing you're coming to see him because he's a black man 
Well, well, and not even that. Like, you're coming to see him because he's dancing, but we just need to remind you how black he is. Right. He's this black. It's like, thanks. Glad. Thank you. That was really great. Appreciate it, <laughs> glad, guys. Glad. Glad. So, all right. We can now put this whole everything together and make the clown. Make me a clown. So, American clowns. The, the clowns that we now recognize today are a mixture of minstrel shows and American racism and jesters. Yes, I see. I see this um, lovely compilation of images you have here with uh, yeah. Grimaldi, uh, Jim Crow, and then traditional modern Our clown clown costume that I found on Amazon.com. Yeah. And it is. You can see, I mean, seeing those all together, it's like the the costume design and colors of Grimaldi and the stance and like physical mannerisms of Jim Crow. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically the modern clown is a mixture of the strange clown jester character created by Joseph Grimaldi, as well as like, you know, the history of everything ever with like white face paint and odd and odd highlights mm -hmm. and weird hair. The, like, yeah, the strange patterned clothing um and and like the colors the bright but then colors. the patches like the the clothing in poor repair the, the clothing and in the poor white repair, gloves are straight up the minstrel white gloves the broad white smile the big noses the big shoes right and yeah grimaldi's hair. character doesn't have kinky hair and his nose is not really emphasized his and his lips are yeah. painted but they're not overdrawn either so that i didn't even notice that so so basically that's that's how we make the clown. You mix this harlequin clown, which is also kind of dark in its own way, but not in a which is not, dark it's in its not, own way. not in not nearly as uh, unacceptable of a way. She's kind of like, oh, that's sad yeah. and depressing, but like whatever. Yeah, you've got like the sadness of just living life, and then you've got the sadness of people are trash. I'm shooting us all into the fucking sun, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that's the clown great we we made it we made, we made the clown. A clown how great are you are you so happy i am not as happy as i expected to be certainly don't have a hankering for any like balloon animals or cotton candy right now <laughs> yeah it's not great and i just i was going through clown pictures and i mean literally uh, the patches and the buttons and the ascots and the makeup and just everything is like it is it is a mixture of Grimaldi and Jim Crow. Yeah. And what? Yeah, I'm much more uh, pro-Grimaldi clown. Because that's just like economic disparity and depression. That's like whatever. That's something yeah. that... That's well, my that's life. That's what we're going to get that's, into That's next my life. Episode. So that's not Aww. so... Aww. That's not so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> or it's an upsetting that I've learned to live with. Fair. But, but yeah. That's a... Uh... And and we actually will get into we'll we'll get back into the economic disparity clowns in our next episode Yay. because we're gonna pop basically into the nineteenth century and kind of finally do some slightly more modern stories cool. and maybe get into like creepy circus clowns murdering children sort of stuff. Not just not just yet. yet. We will get there. Not it just will happen, yet. but definitely some fucking crazy high body count tragedies next episode 
Yay, tragedies. <laughs> Yay, tragedies. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, that's that's been clowns. We made a clown. We made a clown. We made, we made so, the clown. So, think twice about your uh, costumes this Halloween, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to go so far as to say that you shouldn't dress like a clown, but, like, be aware. I mean, don't dress like a clown because clowns are scary. Wait, no, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You do you. Yeah, you do you. Just be aware of this information. Have have the yeah, info. Here you really go. that's really what it is. Just be aware of the information. Maybe don't do your mouth makeup like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe skip on the kinky haired wig. That's kind of the biggest <laughs> thing I think I would avoid. I don't know necessarily, unless you were choosing to be a specifically like Renaissance Harlequinade, I, I don't think that you could do the clown without the... Uh, I don't think you could do it without the without that specific face makeup at this point. You can you can modify the face makeup. Well, Absolutely. yeah. Like this one that you have the, the image of, actually, I feel like is somewhat more reasonable because it's a really large outline, but it's like line work. That's it doesn't look like... That's expressly the purpose of it. Be- I mean, like, it's not intentionally racist. It's leftover racist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there are some ways to draw on your your mouth that are essentially just extending the lips. Yes, I get what you're saying. That don't look like a fucking minstrel mouth. Right, that's true. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I... Not every clown looks like this. This is just... Oh shit! I found this on Amazon.com, and it is exactly. It's a perfect example of for. that. Yeah, yeah. But you can modify the center of the, the Venn diagram right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You you can modify it to make it not racist. But was that was that it? Was that all I wanted to say? I think so. I mean, I can't see anything uh, uh, beyond this on the outline that seems pertinent to what we've discussed. Yeah, I've definitely, I've added a little bit of other stuff to your outline. Yes. I think that's next episode It, it appears to be based on what you have specifically not said. <laughs> okay. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, then, yeah, that'll be it for today. Cool. I didn't even, like, we... do anything weird, like, no, no gas on the microphone or anything like that. <laughs> oh, guess what? what? Since the beginning of October, we have three new Patreons. Oh, yay! Welcome, new Patreons. How cool is that? Patrons. So welcome. Welcome, new Patreon um, patrons. There we go. I guess we shouldn't uh, call them Patreons. The the one that I didn't realize that we had last episode is Aaron, my sister-in-law. Oh, how nice! <laughs> so, Good sister-in-law. Thanks, I'm going to have to send you a card. Yay! Yay! Is that it? I think that's it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Follow us on social media. At Palm Pitch Pod. Palm Pitch Pod. <laughs> for everything. For everything. Um, if you want to chat us up, we are very chatty. Oh, so I chatty. I am always on the Discord server. Holy shit, I am always on the Discord server. <laughs> and, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't, yeah, we're, we're both sorry. Like, I'm not sorry because you signed up information for this? is always good to have. Well, and, and, you know, you asked for this. You asked for Remember, this. Remember, listener, you asked for this. <laughs> you asked for this. You know what I'm about. If you've been listening this far, this is episode 30, by the way. Ooh. So, happy third anniversary. Third anniversary. Our, ep- <laughs> our uh, podcast is old enough to have gray hairs. Our podcast is old enough to have gray hairs. Our podcast is finally older than me. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. I think that's it. That it? Yep. That it. Cool. All right. 
Okay, I love you, bye. I love you, bye. Yeah.